What is going on, sports fans, and welcome into Season 4, Episode 25 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast presented by Anchor, and we've got a lot to get to on this week's show. We welcome on a very special guest, a recurring guest, Chauncey Seeger, to talk all things NFL as we get set for Week 13. We also talk about Ohio State, Michigan, and the college football playoff. Great interview with Chauncey. Once again, recurring guest. We'll have him on again this year as well. We also have an NFL Week 12 recap. The Browns beat the Bucks. Do they have a chance to playoffs now that Sean Watson is back? I get a little bit into that before we get to the interview, but we cover most of our bases in the interview, and after that, we'll have a little outro as well. But before we get to all of that, as always, this episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make podcasts, creation tools, editing tools, everything you need to make your very own podcast right from your phone or computer. So. Here's what you need to do if you want to make your very own podcast. You need to go online right now to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app today. Today is Wednesday, November 30th. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Season 4, Episode 25 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. It is time to recap Week 12. We start in Indianapolis where the Steelers took on the Colts. And it all comes in a bad game against an even worse offense. But Mike Tomlin's 19-3 record on Monday Night Football is incredibly impressive. If he can lead what is by far his worst ever Steelers team to a non-losing record, name the Coach of the Year award after Mike Tomlin as the Steelers win 24-17. We go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania where the Eagles took on the Packers. It was a loser leads town games in terms of the Packers season. Don't let the presumed end of the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay distract you from the monster performance from Jalen Hurts, who's only the fourth player in the Super Bowl era to tally 150 rushing yards and 150 more passing in the same game. This man should be getting some MVP consideration. Meanwhile, the reigning two-time MVP is likely done in Titletown. He was already dealing with a broken thumb, and last night's oblique injury should be excuse enough to place him on injured reserve and get an extended look at Jordan Love. If he starts like he finished in Philly, Love is the new face of the Green Bay Packers. As the Eagles win, 40-33. We go to Kansas City, where the Chiefs took on the Rams in what some people thought would be a Super Bowl preview. Los Angeles, the Rams, are off to their worst start in 11 years. They have it so bad that even their coach is the threat to land on injured reserve as he got nailed by a player running onto the field with their helmet. Meanwhile, Kansas City has a win streak of at least five games for the 10th straight season, and they haven't lost a game in November and December since Patrick Mahomes has arrived in the league. The Chiefs just aren't fair, as they win 26-10. We go to San Francisco, and while many focus on San Francisco's improved quarterback play in a run game anchored by Christian McCaffrey, I want to talk about their defense. Their shutout against the Saints was the fourth straight game the 49ers haven't given up a single point in the second half. They've outscored opponents 57-0 in 
over a span in which they're allowing only 10 points per game. San Fran has won a league-best six games by double digits, and in a wide-open NFC, this is my new Super Bowl favorite. As the 49ers win, 13-0. We go to Arizona, and if you were holding out hope that Arizona would be the third straight NFL team to play in a Super Bowl on their home field, allow me to give you this dose of reality. The Cardinals are 5-13 in their last 18 games and currently have the most home losses in the NFL. Don't be surprised if Sean Payton is coaching this team come next season as the Chargers get a comeback win, 25-24. We go to Seattle where the Raiders took on the Seahawks. And if Washington makes the playoffs, they should send a holiday ham to Las Vegas for the Raiders helping out the Burgundy and Gold with this thrilling win propelled by Josh Jacobs' 300-yard outburst. The most scrimmage yards in a game since 2015. This game feels like it could haunt the Seattle Seahawks as the Raiders win an OT for the back-to-back weeks, 40-34. We go to Washington where the Commanders took on the Falcons. Washington is off to its best start since 2008. Ron Rivera got his 100th win as a head coach, and Brian Robinson notched his first 100-yard rushing game just three months removed from being shot. The Commanders undermine their own good day with another lazy tribute to Sean Taylor. As the Commanders win, 19-13. We go to Duval in Jacksonville, where the Ravens took on the Jaguars. It's weird to say about Baltimore, but the Ravens' defense, after a historic letdown in Jacksonville, will keep them from being a true playoff contender. If they can't beat a Jags team that has now reached four wins for the first time since 2019, it's hard to see them hanging with the Bills and or Chiefs in the postseason as Trevor Lawrence has his best game as a pro, and they shocked the Ravens 28-27. We go to Carolina where Broncos country tried to ride once again. I never thought I'd see the day, but Sam Darnold is better than Russell Wilson. The latter just had his ninth game with only one touchdown or fewer, and Denver has been held to just 12 points per game during their three-game losing streak. And the outstanding Broncos defense is sick of it, as the Panthers win 23-10. We go to New York where I, all I could say is, boy, did boy did Chicago miss Justin Fields. The Bears produced 410 rush yards in their last three games and a rush touchdown in five straight. But that was with Justin Fields. Meanwhile, the Mike White revelation included the Jets' most first-half passing yards since 2006, a season-high 466 total yards. Zach Wilson should, ne- should never see the field for the gang green again. As the Jets win... 31-10. We go to Miami, where it's time to put some respect on Tua Tungabiola's name. He's got an 11-0 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he's led Miami to over 30 points per game during their five-game winning streak. Buffalo won't win the AFC East without a fight, as the Dolphins win 30-15. We go to Nashville, where the Bengals took on the Titans, and it's okay to not remember these Titans. Tennessee is now 1-4 against teams currently with winning records, so this game was less about Cincinnati owning Tennessee than the Titans simply not being good enough to beat the NFL's best. Don't expect them to do more than win their easy division, as the Bengals win 20-16. We go to Cleveland where the Browns took on the Buccaneers. How bad was this loss for Tampa? On Cleveland's thrash turf, the Browns scored their first overtime touchdown since 1991 to add to the pile of Tom Brady's most losses since 2009. Not a bad way to segue to the Deshaun Watson era as the Browns win an OT, 23-17. 
We go to Minnesota where the Vikings took on the Patriots in a thrilling game. What better way to cap the first Thanksgiving with three one-score games since 1926 than with Minnesota's franchise record six comeback win of the season as the Vikings win 33-26. We go to Arlington where the Cowboys took on the Giants. In front of a record audience, Dallas grabbed the inside track on second place in the NFC East by handling an injury-depleted Giants team whose promising season is now on the brink. Oh, and if you're looking for comment on Jerry Jones, what do you expect from an 80-year-old white dude from Arkansas who's never hired a black head coach and thumbed his nose at the Rooney Rule since its inception? It doesn't surprise me what happened in the 50s with Jerry Jones. Meanwhile, this game was built up to be the OBJ Bowl as both the Giants and the Cowboys are named two out of the three finalists of the OBJ sweepstakes. And the Cowboys get the win and perhaps the inside track to Odell Beckham Jr. As the Cowboys win, 28-20. We finish at Ford Field in Detroit. Props to Detroit for keeping this game closer than expected. But the Bills were just too much to handle for the Lions. As the Bills win, 28-25. Week 12 is in the books. And that was the fastest five minutes in football presented by Anchor. And it was a, it was an exciting week. Like I said, three one-score Thanksgiving games. The most one-score games over Thanksgiving since 1926. So it's been quite a while since we've had that much parity on the Thanksgiving holiday in the NFL. But let's talk about the Browns a little bit before we get to our interview with Chauncey. So the Browns get the win. They beat the Buccaneers. 23-17, they're 4-7, and seven, and now it is time for the Deshaun Watson era. And it was a great win for the Browns. Nick Chubb, 116 yards and a touchdown. Jacoby Brissett led the, the go-ahead drive in overtime. He led the game-tying drive in regulation. He threw that fourth-down miraculous touchdown pass to David Njoku. And the Browns' defense made some plays as well. Made some plays as well. Martin Emerson locked down Mike Evans all game long, held him to zero catches when being guarded by him. And Miles Garrett had a couple of clutch sacks in this game. And it was one of the first games this season where the Browns have kind of put it all together. And I think that's really encouraging for, for the Browns that they were able to put it all together this this week right before they get Deshaun Watson back and I know they're 4 and 7 but I know they're 4 and 7 but this team this team it feels like they have the talent and they have the belief and that is the type of win that can be a turning point and it feels like they might be able to go on a little bit of a run here now I'm not going to sit here and guarantee you guys that this Browns team is going to be a playoff team because that would be ridiculous to me. But I think they go no worse than four and two. No worse than four and two with Deshaun Watson in their last six games. But the Browns, I think they got to win out to give themselves a chance at the playoffs. But I think it's a very encouraging win. You know, they score on their opening drive like they have done every week. They aren't, they, they had a lot of time in between points, but the defense kept them in it. And the Browns find a way to win against Tom Brady, who was previously 218-0 when leading 
by seven or more points with less than a minute left to go in the fourth quarter. So it was a great win for the Browns. All right, for the rest of this episode, the rest we want to cover, we do cover in our interview with Chauncey Seeger. So without further ado, here he is, Chauncey Seeger. All right, so we are back, and we once again welcome on a recurring guest, a very special guest. He is my good friend, Chauncey Seeger. Chauncey, we're going to talk some NFL and college football today, but uh, first off, how are you, man? How is life in France? Life in France is incredible. Uh, food's incredible. People are incredible. Only bad thing is you can't watch some great NFL because it's a little late, uh, the games that happen at 2 in the morning. But other than that, been a wonderful time here. Love to hear it. So without further ado, let's get into some NFL talk. So let's talk about the AFC North. So obviously, like I've said before, when we've done these interviews, I'm a Browns fan, you're a Ravens fan. So the AFC North, I think is a good place to start. So just taking a look at this division as a whole right now, I think it's kind of about where we expected it to be through these first 11 games. Obviously, first 11 games, the Browns had Jacoby Brissett. So they do get Deshaun Watson back this week. But my first question to you is the Ravens and the Bengals, they both seemed poised to make the playoffs. In your opinion, who has the edge in that division race? And do you think week 18's game could potentially decide who wins the North? I certainly do, Jack. Before the season, I had the Bengals going into week 18, uh, one game ahead of the Ravens in the standings, but the Ravens having won their first matchup, which is, I think, where we're headed right now. The Bengals are definitely playing better football. They're humming on both sides of the ball, and but they have such a brutal schedule. So I'm not sure whether they will be able to rack up as many wins as the Ravens. Jamar and Mixon are both probably back this week, which does mean a lot for their offense. The Ravens have just continued to blow horrific leads. There's some growing pains from McDonald, our new defensive coordinator, uh, a stat that I saw that made me a little sick was of the four teams to have a two score lead in each of their first 11 games in NFL history. The first three teams were 11 and 0. Ravens are seven and four. They just cannot get a stop. I like the Roquan Smith trade, the aggressiveness. We're going to go for it all this year, but the defense has just not been up to par. Yeah, so I think the Ravens hopefully still win the division because the Bengals have such a brutal stretch where they play the Bills, the Chiefs. The Browns Watson and the Ravens again, whereas the Ravens get a few cupcakes in there like the Falcons and the Broncos. I like it, and I think it's going to be a very similar story. In terms of the other teams in this division, the Browns and the Steelers, uh, they're both sitting at four and seven right now. I feel like both teams, I think the Steelers kind of expected this with Kenny Pickett as their starter, trying to, you know, go through the growing pains of having a rookie quarterback, seeing if he's the guy, that's what this year is about for the Steelers. For the Browns, I feel like four and seven is a little, little bit of an underachievement, but seeing how they got to four and seven, I think there can be some hope for the Browns for these last six games now that they get Deshaun Watson. So just kind of what's your assessment on those two teams as they look towards their final six games? Do you think either team can make a run? Uh, I definitely think the Steelers cannot make a run. However, I love the Chase Claypool trade, getting a second-round pick, clearing some cap space to reinvest in the offensive line instead of paying him. George Pickens seems to be pretty good, so I think that was a great trade. And again, this was just kind of a rebuild year. They're growing their first-year quarterback. It's no problem if they have not the greatest season. 
for the Browns. I predicted they'd have either three or four wins before Watson. So I'm very happy with my prediction that that panned out. Kareem Hunt's non-usage is still confusing and we need more consistency from Peoples Jones and David Njoku. And I'm not really sure what happened to the defense. It's been for the past few years, like a top five defense in the NFL and now it's bottom five. I don't understand. I think your defensive coordinator probably needs to uh, have his key card stop logging into the building once week 18 hits. But I think the Browns will be fine with Deshaun Watson. I think they're going to go four and two minimum. They definitely should beat the Texans, the Saints, and the Commanders. And then they play each of their division rivals once. Even if they go one and two, that's still going four and two to end the season in your games that actually matter with Deshaun. And that's a great building block for next season. I agree. And, you know, we're four, the Browns are four and seven, but I liken this season to kind of the 49ers when they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. That season, they were 0 and 10. They bring in Jimmy G for the last six games and they go 6 and 0. So, the Browns, this season was always about these last six games with Deshaun Watson. You write about the defense. I'm not sure what happened totally. Um, I think Joe Woods needs to go, the defensive coordinator. I think our special teams is a little bit of a problem too. Uh, Cade York gets, has a, Way, one way too many missed kicks and two a lot of them have been blocked and I don't know why that is I think it might be schematically on special teams but I think the Browns like you said four and two minimum even though that's an eight and nine record you win eight and nine last year with Baker on an in with an injury I, obviously you want to do a little bit better but I think the Browns looking at this big picture if you can go four and two and have Watson play well I think that's a win for this Browns team so taking a look at the, the the landscape of the NFL right now, um, just, I guess, take a look at the playoff picture. Do you think it stays the same as, as it is right now? Or I know when we did the last two episodes between us, our playoff pictures are going to look drastically different, but just what are your, your updated playoff predictions, I guess, for both the AFC and the NFC? Okay. To start with the NFC, uh, I've been pretty adamant that I do not think the Giants are a very talented football team. And I just think they're being coached really well. So they're winning a bunch of coin flip games. So for consistency with that take I've had, I do hope that the commanders and Seahawks knock the Giants out of the playoffs. Um, two of those three teams will get the final two spots. And I think all the others are pretty easy to predict. I cannot believe what happened with the Rams. Uh, the Rams put up the worst Super Bowl defense in NFL history this year. And I don't know, it was just a total organizational embarrassment. After last year, I gave some begrudging respect to Matthew Stafford after the Super Bowl win. But this year, I mean, it's just the same old, same old, just terrible picks, bad clock management by McVay. Not sure what happened for the AFC. I think it's pretty clear that the Ravens, Bengals, Titans, Chiefs, Bills and Dolphins make the playoffs, which leaves one spot for teams like the Jets, the Patriots and the Chargers. I think the Chargers get that last spot and hopefully get to 10 wins to squeak out a push on my preseason best bet. What about you? I love it. Um, I'm going to go with the NFC first. Uh, I agree with you about the Giants. Uh, right now in the NFC, I have the Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, and Buccaneers winning the division. I think obviously the Buccaneers have underperformed this season, but I think the other teams in the NFC South are really bad. And I think the Buccaneers will be able to squeak in, even if they finish like nine and eight. But I really think the Eagles, Vikings, and 49ers are three legit Super Bowl contenders. 
I also think the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender sitting there in the fifth spot. I think they're a lock too. Then for my last two spots, I look at the teams that are currently in play in the NFC, and I think it comes down to three teams, the Commanders, the Seahawks, and the Giants. And right now, I like the Commanders and the Seahawks to make the playoffs in those six and seven seeds over the New York Giants. And the last couple of weeks, I I mentioned last episode we did together, uh, the Giants' schedule was really easy, and I expected them to, you know, kind of coast into the playoffs. But they didn't do as well in this stretch as I thought they were going to. Daniel Jones has kind of fallen back to earth, and I really like what how the Commanders have looked with Taylor Heineke as their quarterback. Quarterback, and I really like how the Seahawks look this season with Geno Smith. And I think Pete Carroll and Ron Rivera are, you know, they've been to the playoffs before. They both, I think, been to the Super Bowl before as a head coach. I think that coaching experience matters in playoff races, so I would take the Commanders and the Seahawks over the Giants. In the AFC, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I have the Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens, and the Titans winning the division. I think the Dolphins and the Bengals are locks as well. And then that seventh seed, like you said, Chargers, Patriots, or Jets. Right now, I think the Jets hold that seventh seed. I would lean towards the Chargers just because, you know, quarterback. Justin Herbert, Mike White, or Mac Jones. Who do I trust to get me to the playoffs? It's Justin Herbert. Coaching is a different discussion in that scenario because I think both Robert Sala and Bill Belichick are coaching their teams better than Brandon Staley is this season. But I think the Chargers, if they get some guys back like they have been the last couple weeks, Keenan Allen's been good since he's been back in the lineup. If they keep getting healthier as we go down the stretch here in the NFL, I think the Chargers will get that last spot. But so far, it's been a little bit surprising um, just this season. there's been, There's been a lot of surprises. You know, I don't think either of us would have expected the Rams or the Packers to not even be in the discussion going into week 13. And the Browns having a better record than both those teams is a little bit surprising too with Jacoby Brissett. All right, so we talked about the playoffs. Now let's talk about the Super Bowl. My original Super Bowl prediction, I had the, the Bills taking on the Buccaneers, I believe. Buccaneers are definitely not going to be in it, but before we get to my prediction, let's get to yours. Who do you think will be in the Super Bowl, and who do you think wins just through week 13? Of course. So when we did our preseason episode, I had the Chiefs over the Rams. For obvious reasons, I'm going to need to change 50% of that. I'm still sticking with the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, I, but this time I believe that they will beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I trust the coaching and the experience of Shanahan's team over the Eagles, but I think that those two teams are probably the NFC heavyweights. I like it. Um, like you, I'm going to stick with my 50%. I still believe in the Bills and Josh Allen. I think they're on the out. I think the Dolphins currently lead the AFC East right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills overtake them if they win that second matchup against Miami. But I really like the Bills. I think Josh Allen's very talented. They're well coached. If they can get Von Miller healthy back in a couple weeks, that defense has been playing really well. Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, they have talent all across the board. The only thing that worries me about them is the running game, but they've shown the ability with Singletary that they've been able to run the ball against some of these bad teams, so maybe that'll carry in to the playoffs. But I think it'll be Bills or Chiefs out of the AFC. I would lean the Bills. In the NFC, I said it earlier, there are, three, there are four teams, I think, legitimately that can make the Super Bowl in the NFC, and that's Philadelphia, Minnesota, 49ers, and the Cowboys. I think I'm going to go with the 49ers. I don't know why. I won't really want to trust Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, but I haven't seen Jalen Hurts, you know, play playoff 
good playoff football. They made the playoffs last year, lost to the Buccaneers. Not sure how the Eagles are going to look. I think the Eagles could get upset, especially if they have a bad draw in that second round. Like if they play face the Cowboys in the second round, that could be a Cowboys win. Um, Cowboys, I can't trust Mike McCarthy. I want to trust that defense. I want to trust that team. I think they're one of the most talented teams in the league. I can't try, trust Mike McCarthy. Vikings, I can't trust Kirk Cousins. I could trust Justin Jefferson. I could trust almost everything about that team. I can't trust Kirk Cousins. When I look at the 49ers, I can trust the defense. I can trust the coach. And no matter how much I don't want to trust Jimmy Garoppolo, he's 40 and 19 in his first 59 starts with the 49ers, which I saw a graphic that's like tied with, uh, Steve Young for the best through 59 starts, a better record than Joe Montana through 59 starts. Not sure how, but Jimmy G just finds ways to win, and he's not going to be the reason that they lose, in my opinion. So I think that'll propel them to a Super Bowl loss to the Bills. So that's where I see the 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 Super Bowl ending up. I think the 49ers, they've been very, they're very talented. I think Christian McCaffrey adds a lot to that offense since they got him. And I think that defense led by Nick Bose is really good and they're well coached. So I like them to lose to the bills in the super bowl. So that's my, my super bowl prediction for the updated version of it. All right. Our best bets. Um, some of them were okay. Like I feel good at like preseason. Some of them are okay. I feel like my Chubb one is going to hit for sure. Oh, I think it was over 12 and 1200 yards that'll hit rushing yards the bears one i think i had under six and a half wins i think that hits too because they're three and eight right now so i like both of those uh chargers kind of let us down but with that being said we're gonna wipe the slate clean we're gonna give ourselves a chance for redemption so we're looking at player futures team futures playoff futures all that good stuff three best bets for the rest of the season i'll let we'll go one 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 However, however, that makes sense. But we'll start with you. Give me your yep. first best bet for the rest of the season. Okay. My first best bet is the Colts under six and a half wins at even money. I think this line is really off. There's a lot of Jeff Saturday hype. The Bill or the Colts still have their buy. So they only have five games remaining. So for them to cash the over, they would need to win three of five versus the Cowboys, Vikings, Chargers, Giants, and Texans. I think they could easily lose four of them. And because it's a division game, sure, maybe even the Texans won. I just don't think they win 60% of those last five games. I agree. Um, The Colts, I don't know. I thought they should have beat Pittsburgh the other night. They just – horrible clock management by Jeff Saturday. And you mentioned that Texans game. That's not a lock. They tied with the Texans week one, and they were down 20-3 to in that game, so you never know. My first best bet for the rest of the season is a player – future and it's josh allen at plus 1400 to finish with the most passing yards so right now he is second in the league in passing yards behind patrick mahomes he is about 400 yards behind pat mahomes just taking a look at those two and the teams which situations those teams are in right now i think it's way more likely that the chiefs have their division and home field home field advantage locked up and that they rest mahomes in week 18 the bills right now are in a dogfight for the AFC East with the Dolphins. And I could see a scenario in which Buffalo needs a win week 18 to clinch home field advantage, clinch the division, something like that. So I think 
right now there's more of an incentive for the Bills to play Allen Week 18, and I think it's more likely that the Chiefs rest Mahomes Week 18. And since I see Allen playing one more game than Mahomes down the stretch, I love the value at plus 1,400 for Josh Allen, who I think could easily throw for 400 yards in that game to finish with the most passing yards this season. That's an awesome one. That's such good value. All right, so for my second one, this one is a little uh, more likely to happen. It's at minus 160. So it's a little more expensive, but it's the Bengals over nine and a half wins. So they need to win three of their remaining six games. They have four really tough games of the Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, and Browns. And they also have the Bucks and the Patriots on the schedule, which I think they'll win both of those. And so if they go one and three against the AFC playoff contenders or I guess Browns will be future AFC playoff contenders next year, then they'll cash that bet. I just think the Bengals are playing such good football right now. They're going to steal a couple of those games. I like it. Uh, I think nine and a half, I think 10 wins get you in the AFC. And I think that's what the Bengals will have to get to to make the playoffs. So I think they can definitely win 10 games as well. My second best bet's a little bit of a long shot, um, but I like the value, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. The Cowboys, plus 300 to win the NFC East. Now, I know the Eagles are like they're one seed in the NFC. They've only lost once this season. But you're looking at the Cowboys' schedule the rest of the year compared to the Eagles. They're kind of similar, but the Cowboys, the next three weeks, I really like their chances to win their next three before they face the Eagles in week, I believe it's week 17. So they have the Colts at home. That's a win. They have the Texans at home. That's a win. And they have the Jaguars. On the road, they should be three and zero their next three weeks, and then they face the Eagles in Dallas. So I think they can win that game. And then they have the Titans on the road, tough game. The Commanders on the road, which you know is a toss up. But I, I can easily see the Cowboys winning their next four. And I, if the Eagles drop one more game in addition to that Cowboys game down the stretch, then the Cowboys would actually get in if they have the same record. So that's what I'm banking on for this bet. It's plus three hundred for the Cowboys to win the NFC East. I just think that defense can keep them in all their games. And I think, you know, the Eagles have been good, but the last couple of weeks, um, not not so much this week, but eh, they, the defense didn't look good for the Eagles against the Packers and Jordan Love either. But, you know, they, they should have lost to the Colts, in my opinion. And just taking a look at their upcoming schedule, you know, they got the Giants, which isn't a, which isn't a gimme game, a division game on the road. They got the Titans at home. The Titans are a good team. And then they have the Giants again at home, the Bears and the Saints. So, they're similar schedules, but I like the Cowboys' chances of winning out more than I like the Eagles' chances of winning out. So that's why I'm going Cowboys plus 300 to win the NFC East. All right. That's great. So for my last one, I do think the Bills will win the AFC East, but the odds for it right now are minus 220, which is you shouldn't bet that. That's too expensive. Instead, what I would do, my best bet, is Bill's money line in three weeks when they get the Dolphins in Buffalo. So those odds will be better than minus 220. And if the Bills win that game, there'll be a game ahead and the tiebreaker will be back to even. So they should win the division from there. I like that. I I, I really like that pick. I think the Bills will still win that division, but that's a way better value than picking um... – them to win the division at like you said minus 220 my last one you can call me biased or whatever but browns over seven and a half wins at plus 125 so 
we mentioned we both think they're going to go four and two these next six games with Deshaun Watson. So that would get them to eight wins. So I think that's all you need to ask for. But look at look at what the Browns have done this year. They're a top 10 offense this season with Jacoby Brissett. Um, I don't expect Watson to be the Deshaun Watson of 2020 immediately off the bat when he comes back next week. But I think the Houston Texans are a get-right game for him. I think once he gets his legs under him, that top 10 offense right now that they have with Jacoby Brissett will get even better. And for some reason, I think the Browns, I don't know, like David Njoku, he had an interview after the last game with Jeff Darlington at ESPN. He was like, you know, we're not done. We're not done. We got a lot more to play for this season. Whoever's saying we're going to pack it up and, you know, turn it in. I don't know what they're talking about. So I, I think the Browns will play hard. And I still think they there's a belief there that they can go 6-0 and and win out with Deshaun Watson. He's that type of player that gives you that confidence. So I like the Browns over 7.5 wins, especially at plus 125 as my third best bet for the rest of the season. I have a quick bonus cheesy one. I don't know what the odds actually are on this. Because I obviously, as I'm overseas, I can't log into my FanDuel or whatever. Can't find it. But AFC team to win the Super Bowl. Oh, let me look at the odds right now. I was looking at this It's earlier. probably slightly favored. Let's take a look. But close to even. So you said an AFC team to win the Super Bowl. Let's see. Yep. If I can find this. So, so just while you look for it to talk through it really quick for the audience. I mean, you're getting either the Chiefs or the Bills or the Bengals, or the Ravens against either the Eagles or Jimmy Garoppolo, which I know the 49ers are loaded with talent, but Jimmy G, two plays a game, actively tries to lose the game. So I like Mahomes or Allen rolling in there. The AFC will definitely have the better quarterback, and I think will probably have the better coach, and that's good enough for me. Some of these odds are awesome. Like, you can pick the exact Super Bowl result, like, uh, the the favorite right now is the Eagles to beat the Chiefs plus eighteen hundred. Like that, that's sweet. I, I saw it earlier. The I don't plus eighteen hundred. I don't know where it's at. Um, to make the play, it, it'll probably be under season specials. Maybe no. Well, if we can't find it, I really it might like... not even be up. I don't know. I don't know if that's a valid market. That's why I'm throwing it in there as a oh here it is here it is one. the winning conference. You said the AFC to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right now it's plus 115. That's pretty good value. What? Yes. What's the NFC? Minus 135. They must really like the Eagles and the Vikings. I don't know. Okay. All right. I, that is my best bet of those. I, we're, we can take one of my other ones off the board. That is my best bet. AFC to win the Super Bowl. And those odds are courtesy of DraftKings. All right. So let's get to our week 13 best bet. So I don't know how you want to do this. I have like one like parlay for week 13 that I think has a really good shot of hitting. So I'm just going to let you go first. You can lay out all your best bets for week 13, and then I'll give my parlay for week 13 as well. Sounds good. So I only looked at the board a few minutes before we started recording here, and I feel like a square because all three of the ones I like are favorites. So I might go and three bet with this, uh, tail this under your own risk. So the first one, Vikings minus three versus the Jets. We've seen this film before. Mike White comes in and is the fantasy QB one. He looks unstoppable. And then they get some tape on him. He has to play again. He turns into a pumpkin. So Vikings have an extra four days rest. We know Kevin O'Connell's a great coach, it seems. So that seems good to me. Bills minus four versus the Patriots. 
in the last two games against the Pats, the Bills are averaging 40 points a game and are averaging zero punts. Bill Belichick, the best defensive coach ever, can't make Josh Allen punt the ball one single time. So I think that the Bills are going to steamroll the Patriots. Again, uh, they both have extra rest, but I feel like that kind of cancels out. And then the final one, Browns minus seven versus the Texans. If you don't think Deshaun Watson wants to put 75 points on the Houston Texans, I mean, I feel like he wants to run up the score so badly after how poorly he things ended with the administration, even aside from all the off the field stuff. He just hated the coach, hated the GM. So I think he just wants to obliterate the Texans this weekend. I like it. I like those three. I'm going to go against one of them in this parlay and you'll see why. So this parlay, it's called home dogs run faster. And I'm of course talking about home underdogs. So we got the bears plus four and a half versus the Packers could be Jordan love. Aaron Rodgers left that game last week against the Eagles with an injury. If it's Jordan love versus Justin Fields, if he's back this week, I really love the bears at plus four and a half. Rams plus seven and a half versus the Seahawks in LA. Since it's in LA, I think eight points is a lot for the Seahawks to cover, especially in a divisional game. The Rams obviously probably won't have Matt Stafford or Cooper cup, but they will have that defense who I think can keep it close. Then we have the lions money line over the Jaguars. They're underdogs. That's plus money. Bengals money line over the chiefs plus money, a little bit risky there. And then I have the Texans plus seven versus the Browns. And I know I think it's either plus seven or plus seven and a half. Regardless, I have the Texans covering that. And I know I'm a Browns fan. I know what you guys are saying. But this is the classic Browns game where they get up like 20 points and then they just let – the defense lets them back into it. It's it's classic. And I think the Browns – there's going to be a lot of expectations for the Browns to do well this game. But I think if the Browns get a lead in this game, I think they'll start playing conservatively on both sides of the ball. So I can see the Texans – being within one touchdown here. So that's what I'm going to go. But if you want to do that, so it's Texans plus seven, seven and a half versus the Browns bears plus four and a half versus the Packers Rams plus seven and a half versus the Seahawks lions, money line Bengals money line. It's plus two twenty six thirty five ten dollars $10 would win $274. So, you know, that's a little nice little, little parlay. If you want to sprinkle five to $10 it's Sunday, it. it's a good Sunday yeah, work day. Exactly. You could get a little payday in if that hits. And I don't think it's that far fetched. So, that's the NFL. Shall, shall we talk about some college football here as we get ready for conference championship weekend? Oh, we shall. All right. So let's start with talking about one of the bigger games in week 12 of the college football season. Of course, I'm talking about Kent State and Buffalo. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about Ohio State <laughs> and Michigan, of course. Um, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. J.J. McCarthy waving goodbye to the fans in Columbus as Michigan wins in Columbus for the first time since 2000, the year I was born. So it hasn't happened in a long time. And Michigan doesn't just win in Columbus. They dominate in Columbus. Just before we get into the nitty gritty, just talk about your overall takeaways from that performance from your Michigan Wolverines. Sure. So I, hello to all of the Ohio listeners. I am a proud Michigan Wolverine graduate and last November, the second, the fourth quarter hit zero, and I stormed that field. I started getting texts from friends who were Buckeye fans. Just wait till next year. Oh, you guys have to come back to the shoe. This is a one-off year. You guys don't even know who your quarterback is. And without Blake Corum, our best offensive player, without Mike Morris, our best defensive player, in the shoe, crowd of 105,000, not a centimeter of snow on the ground. 
We won by three touchdowns. I mean, it was just so incredible. The big plays were electric. Uh, So I'm not sure how hiring a big 12 defensive coordinator was supposed to fix things. Ryan Day probably just noticed that the number 12 was higher than the number 10. So he assumed it must be better. It's my assumption of his coaching process. Uh, But it's a great day to not be a Buckeye fan. Absolutely. And I was just impressed. You know, Ohio State led, I would say they led the first half as 20 to 17, I believe. And then midway through the third quarter, they still had that lead. But Michigan, it was like, I'm a Browns fan, obviously. And, you know, I'm a Kent State fan first, but I still like, you know, root for Ohio State. That's who I grew up rooting for. But I was watching this game and I was like, this is Joe Woods defense because the Buckeyes (laughs) did not, they get the, all they gave up was big plays. And that last yeah. touchdown, like, so Michigan was up 15. I think they were 38, 23, with like three minutes left. And then they get that 86 or 85 yard touchdown run. And I was like, that is a touchdown. And I know it could be overreacting here, but it's going to segue into our next uh, topic. That is a touchdown that gets coaches fired. Like that, like <laughs> touchdown run, that 85 yard touchdown run, like on third and three, mm-hmm. like you got to give yourselves at least a chance to win. But yeah. I was very impressed with Michigan. I was very impressed with Harbaugh. Um, and maybe Ryan day was, you know, born on third base and thought he had to triple or whatever the, the quote was last year, but let's go to Ryan day. So a lot of Ohio state fans, I've seen it on Twitter and a lot of them are saying, you know, Ryan day should be fired. They think Ryan day should not be the coach of Ohio state anymore because he's one and two against Michigan. Let's ignore the fact that he's 45 and five over the last five years with losses to two to Michigan, one to Clemson and one to Alabama and there's one and one to Oregon. So those are like, you know, pretty good losses. I would say like quality losses, but what do you think? Do you think as all a top new, 10? Yes. All top 10 teams. So what do you think as a Michigan guy, but looking at, looking at this from like a sports perspective and a college football fan perspective, do you think Ohio state would be smart to move on from Ryan day? Or do you think they should have him back for at least next year? So in the moment on Saturday, I was I was thinking, oh, he has to get fired. And then I thought about it more. Do you know what the best win-loss record is in a Power 5 school through 50 games in what is, football? What is it? It's 45 and 5. Nobody has done a better job from a pure wins and loss perspective than Ryan Day, which I understand that a lot of those were Urban Meyer's recruits. But Ryan Day has been an incredible recruiter. I mean, the Buckeyes have always done such a good job with skill position players especially wide receiver, defensive back. So I think that Ryan Day, even if he is maybe getting outcoached by Harbaugh, he's such a good recruiter that I think that makes up a lot of that gap. I think he gets another year, but if they lose to Michigan next year and don't make the playoff, then he will probably be fired because I don't think they Buckeye fans will handle three straight losses to Michigan. But I think that if if the Buckeyes go into Ann Arbor and beat Michigan next year, then I think that day will be okay. I agree. You know, after the game, a lot of people were saying, you know, he's John Cooper 2.0, you know, bring back urban Meyer. Like a lot of people had some wild takes and like, I'm looking at who realistically could replace Ryan day and do that much better of a job. You know, you could talk about urban Meyer, you know, that fiasco in Jacksonville aside, he's still one of the best college coaches ever. But I don't For sure. know. I don't know why he would come back. I I, I just don't no, understand. I, I think yeah, I agree. I um, think Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. 
that was the next one. Trying I was going to close that door because he's someone who's really well respected. Uh, but I agree. I think I I do think that Ryan Day is he's not a terrible coach. He's not a, he's not a complete idiot. He went forty five and five in his first fifty games. So I think the Buckeyes can and should keep him around. Absolutely. And like you said, Luke Fickle, I think was an option. He takes the job at Wisconsin. Do you try and maybe reach out to Mike Vrabel with the Titans and say, Hey, here's 10 million a year. Interesting. Come come coach Ohio state because he is an Ohio state grad. He's the only guy that I could see. Like I saw a lot of people saying you should, you should make Mike Vrabel say no. And if Mike Vrabel says, says no, stick with Ryan day. And that's where I'm at kind of, because I would really like to see Vrabel coach this Ohio state team. I think he's a great coach. That would be awesome. I think, um, you know, I saw a tweet the other day and it was like, you know, Vrabel, the Titans had uh, Tannehill and Derrick Henry's Lynn Sanity run, and Vrabel has coached them consistently to a top three seed in the AFC ever since. So, like, I think Vrabel's a good coach. So I would be interested to see yeah. him coach Ohio State for sure. I also think Ohio State's biggest issue right now is physicality. The talent is there. The offensive schemes are there. I mean, they always murder Michigan on these like, stupid crossing routes where they go for 70 yards after the catch. But what they need is physicality. And I don't think there's any per, any head coach in college or pros who embodies it like Mike Vrabel. I, yeah, I agree. And I think he would be like, like, like I said, the cl- one of the, the only one that I would consider over day, but I give day another year. Um, like you said, he's been one of the best recruiters. They've consistently had a top five class. So, you know, but they got to start beating Michigan. Like that's, you know, the saying you could go one in 10 every year at Ohio state or one in 11 every year at Ohio state, as long as you beat Michigan. So that's something he's going to have to start doing. All right, let's wrap up this episode with our playoff predictions for the college football playoff. Talk a little bit about the conference championships if you want to, but right now I'm just going to ask you, you can take into consideration what's going to happen this weekend. At the end of the day, who do you think is going to be one through four participating in this year's college football playoff? Okay, so I think the first three teams, the three undefeateds, will make it to the playoffs even if they lose this weekend. Uh, Michigan has the best win in the country. Georgia probably has the second best win against Tennessee. Oh, I cut out. Okay, I'm back. So – and then TCU already beat this K-State team, even though they were down a lot early. So at that point, they'd be 1-1 one and one against that team and 11-0 and against everybody else. So I think those three teams all make the playoffs. USC, I think, clearly goes if they win their conference championship. If not, I think the Buckeyes should be the four seed in the playoffs. I think that the Buckeyes have a top 10 road win, which the, there are very few teams that have that. Michigan has one. OSU has one. And I don't know if any other team actually has a top 10 road win off the top of my head. So I think Ohio State should go over USC if USC proves they lose twice to Utah. I agree. Um, I think the top two teams are a lock. I think Georgia and Michigan are in regardless, even if they lose by like four touchdowns to Purdue, which won't happen, and LSU, which won't happen. But TCU and USC, I think TCU – I think they're pretty safe, but if they lose, you know, you said they were down by a lot to Kansas State the last time they played them. They were down 28 nothing. So if they lose by 28, I think the committee would put in an Ohio State team that lost by 21-22 to a top-five team in Michigan over TCU who lost by 28 to a top-10 team, you know? So that's just my opinion on that. 
But I think TCU is pretty safe, so I'll have them at three. Then it comes down to USC and Ohio State. If USC loses, I would put Ohio State in. If USC wins, I think it's USC. So I agree with you there. I don't know these people who are saying Alabama has a chance. The only way I could see Alabama getting in with two losses is if USC gets blown out by like 30 and TCU gets blown out. That's the only way I could see that. But even if USC loses, I would still have them ranked above Alabama with two losses. I don't see an argument for Alabama over Ohio State. I don't I mean, either. It's, it, it would just solidify that this is just the SEC Invitational where what you do in an individual season doesn't matter. If Alabama's football team with this record was named something other than Alabama, they would not be the five or the six seed. Because, they, I mean, they lost to Tennessee, and Tennessee was ranked behind them. And they lost Similarly, to Alabama. I think TCU would be ranked number. They lost to LSU. I think, like, I think TCU would be ranked number two or number one if their name was Alabama, right? Mm -hmm. I I just think we can only do so much to boost that brand of Alabama. I agree, and you know, Alabama, you know, they're ten and two right now, but they're two plays away against Texas A and M and Texas from being eight and four. So, like, I just don't know if Alabama passes the eye test. I certainly don't think they have the resume, but I don't think. No matter what happens this weekend, I don't see them getting to the final four. So I think it's between those teams, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, and Ohio State. And I think those top four teams control their destiny to making the college football playoff, which should be another exciting playoff. Nice to not see Alabama and potentially Ohio State in there as an unbiased college football fan. Nice to get some different colors in the college football playoff for once. And uh, I'm excited to see how it plays out. All right, well. Chauncey, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for, you know, coming on for this interview. Um, any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with as you, you exit? Uh, thank you for having me. It's always great to be here. The highlight of my week. Thank you for listening everybody to the best local Cleveland area sports podcast that exists. And, uh, I hope Kent basketball continues to build off that the best loss in the country, close one to Houston. Hope they keep building that momentum and hope to be on here soon to talk some NFL playoffs. Love it. We'll definitely have you on for an NFL playoff preview. Kent state, never forget. They were a blown call away against Houston from beating the number the now number one team in the country. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Chauncey. And we, we will be back soon for with an NFL playoff preview. Thanks, man. Thank you once again to Chauncey Seeger for coming on the episode this week. We talked all things NFL and college football. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Jot Sports Pod. That's at J-O-T Sports Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at The Real J Burns with a Z at the end at The Real J B E R N Z or at Jack Bernie TV if you want to keep up with my broadcasting and other ventures. And also, we'll be back next week with another episode. We will talk more NBA and all that good stuff next week. But since it's getting down to the nitty-gritty in both the NFL and college football, wanted to focus this episode on only those two topics. So, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Oh, by the way, uh, we'll post some of the Spotify rap stuff to uh, our Instagram as well. We got I got to take a look at our Spotify rap numbers for this year, and I was really happy with some of the results. We... Um, we released 30 episodes this year, 1.9 thousand minutes of content, and we were 
up 162% listeners. And um, seven of you of our listeners, uh, our podcast was your number one podcast. So that's really cool to see. And if you guys are, um, if I'm in your top five podcasts, top 10 podcasts or whatever, and you see that on Spotify rap and you want to tag me in it or tag the podcast in it on Instagram, that'd be pretty cool. I'll repost it on our story for sure. But just want to say thank you guys for all your support this year as well. But with that, I'll be back next week with another episode and we will see you then. I've been Jack Bernie signing off.